Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, much better. <laughs> I like I like this nice strong good morning. When everybody got up this morning, what was the first thing on your mind? It's Sunday. Oh, yeah. Tom pointing to the belly like me. Food. Coffee. I need to eat. <laughs> coffee. Coffee. Some of you say coffee. <laughs> But when most of you got out of bed this morning, you were thinking, I'm sure, as most of us think, what am I going to wear today? Right? I mean, think about that for a moment. What am I going to wear? Some of you lay your clothes out the night before. Some just decide when you get up what you're going to wear. Whatever. Whatever happens to be there. Whatever I can reach, you know, with your eyes half open. Okay, I think I'm going to wear it. You know. And sometimes you're like me when I go to work, I have different color socks, or maybe the pants don't match the shirt. You know, I don't know. It's, it's something. But you've heard the old saying, right? Everyone puts on shoes one at a time. Nobody puts on two shoes at the same time. When you put your pants on, you put one leg in at a time. You don't put both legs in at a time. It's not possible. Well, I guess it is possible to lay them on the floor and you step in the little holes and then pull them up that way. I guess you could do it that way, but that's too much bother for me. <laughs> but the, but the, the thing is, you know, all of us pretty much dress the same. You know, we do things almost the same way. But I want to talk to you this morning about Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 14. Paul talks to us about getting dressed for the day. Great doctrine makes for great daily living. It's not enough to merely to agree with certain doctrines, but we must translate our beliefs into life. You just don't believe what the Word of God says, but you have to live what the Word of God says. You see, we can just merely get in our cars and get behind the wheel and put it in drive. The car's not going to go. You must start the engine first and then put it in drive for the car to go. It has to have power. You know, it has to have power to, to operate. Your life in a sense, has to have power in order to operate. If your heart is not beating, guess what? You can't operate. You can't go. You can't move. There's one position for you when your heart is not beating. That's laying down. But when your heart is beating and your brain is operating, you have the power in which to function, in which to make decisions, in which to do things. And your brain tells you to get up. So what do you do? You sit up in the bed. Your brain tells you to put your feet on the floor. You put your feet on the floor. Your brain tells you to stand up and your body stands up. So this is the, this is the main component that we have to have in which to do the things that we do. Now there are some people, I, I probably shouldn't say this this morning, but you know me, I'm always in for trouble. <laughs> I've watched a couple things on the news this past week, and I just come to the conclusion that, and I know we're not supposed to say these words, but 
here it comes. You just can't change stupid. <laughs> People do crazy things and you know they just they don't think. They just they just you know and there it is. You know People who are criminals do things and they think they're smarter than everybody else. Mm -hmm. But they're not. Their brain just thinks differently than everybody else. The problem is their heart is not like your heart. Their heart is not pure. It's not got good motives. When you get up in the morning, your motives aren't to, well, I'm awake. I'm going to go rob a bank today. I'm awake. Well, I think I'll go run somebody over with my car today. That, those are not our motives. Those are not, that's not the normal way the brain thinks. When we get up in the morning, the first thing we do is we get dressed, and then after we get dressed, we 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 as Christians take time with the Word of God. We take time to pray. We ask God to protect us. We ask God to help us, and we we begin to read the Word of God. So God will begin to feed us, and He will begin to show us how to operate our life that day. My, my prayer and my thoughts are in the morning when I get up and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, I say, God, let your will be done in me today. My thought is on God. My thought is good motives, pure thoughts to do the right things. My thoughts aren't to go rob a bank. My thoughts aren't to go run somebody over with my car. My thoughts are to win somebody to Jesus. My thoughts are, how can I help someone today? What can I do for someone today? That's, that's a thought. That's a pure motive. When you get up in the morning, that's a healthy thought. And that's the way we should operate. That's the way we should think. But Paul tells us in Colossians that we are to accept great doctrine. Matter of fact, he tells the Colossians as they have accepted great doctrine. Now, I'm not where we're going to be at just yet. But if you, in, in Colossians 1.14, he says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Well, he is the one who is the redemption through Christ's blood. And so Paul begins to list five benefits that God, uh, that God secured for us when Christ died on the cross. Well, one, he made us fit to be a part of his kingdom. And two, he rescued us from Satan's uh, domination and made us his children. He brought us into his earth, his, his eternal kingdom. He bought our freedom from sin and judgment, and he forgave us of all of our sins. Christ did all of this, that we may have a secure understanding thought of who Christ is and what God has done for us through his son Jesus. Now, Paul calls for these beliefs to change us every day. He, he calls us to to live a pure and holy life. Now, if you're in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, But now ye also put off all these, we're to put off things, we're to get rid of things. Wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man, with his deeds and have put on the new man which is what renewed renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him where there is neither greek nor jew circumcision nor uncircumcision 
barbarian. And so he, he goes on, he, he goes on, and he continues on, and then he goes into verse 12, and he says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness, and of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have quarreled against thee, even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I ask, Lord, this morning as we go into your word this morning, I pray, Father, that we will understand what our lives are to be like when we get up in the morning. And, Father, how we're to end our day. Lord, I pray that these words, Father, would impact each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Notice now when Paul begins to hit on in verse 8, he, he, he first thing he says is to put off. We're to put off. Paul's words to put off. These sins can also be translated lay aside or the old self and, and put on the new. These actions was not as much as a mystical but a practical and moral situation for our life. Anger and wrath are destructive to those we love. Now, if you know, if you get angry with somebody or or, or you have wrath against somebody, it's destructive. And, 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 the, and the whole relationship then begins to become unraveled or destroyed. They, and, and usually when we get angry and we allow our wrath to be poured out. It's usually against someone we love. It's usually with somebody we know or we care about. But malice harbors old grudges and and and, and, and dwells on them. You know, if you ever notice it, when you start thinking about an old high school friend you know or somebody from the past, you, you begin to think about what? You begin to think about the things that they did towards you or the bad things that they did towards you and you go, I can't believe that person treated me that way. I can't believe this person was that way toward me. And and you begin to have these grudges, you begin to become unhappy or discontented with that person again. You have to ask God to help you through those situations. We're going to talk about that. Blasphemy grieves, grieves the Holy Spirit. Filthy communication stains our public testimony. You know, I always tell people, you know, they sometimes hear people, they want to tell you a joke. Well, it's, it's not bad. Or better yet, it's not that bad. You know, it's a, it's a gray area. Gray areas stain your life. Gray areas will have a stain on your life. And so we have to be careful with those things. Lies make us unlike our Lord, who is truth. Jesus is truth. He hasn't told us anything that's untrue throughout the whole word of God. These are the attitudes of darkness. They should be discarded each morning. Matter of fact, I, if, if there's anything like that going on in your life, you actually should discard it before you go to bed. You should get rid of these things before you go to bed because, you know, while you're in a deep sleep, guess what? That trumpet blast is going to happen and the clouds are going to open up and, whoa, we're out of here. Next thing you know, you forgot to ask Christ to forgive you. You, 
forgot to make some things right with the Lord Jesus Christ before you went to bed. We are to be light in a dark world. If I was to ask you this morning, tell me your testimony. What is it this week that people saw Christ in you? What did you do this week that, that radiated Jesus Christ? What was it that people saw in you and said, man, that's a, that, that, that person loves Jesus? Why start the day dressed for the night? I, now, this is the pet peeve, okay? I probably shouldn't go here this morning. Here we go. You ever seen people when they're out shopping and they're dressed in their pajamas? Mm -hmm. It drives me insane. I'm like, really? I know it's Walmart. I know it's whatever store you're going to. You really couldn't get out of your pajamas to get dressed and go to the store, even if it's only for a gallon of milk. Those little jiffy stores are famous for it. I've, I've been by many jiffy stores. Sure enough, you can be standing there in line and turn around, there's two people behind you. And they got their pajama bottoms on. You're thinking, what is going on? But it's socially acceptable today. <coughs> I'm going to tell you this. I'll bet we can back up 20 years, <coughs> or maybe even 30. I'll bet you can back up to when you were children. And if you came out of the house in your pajamas and you were going to go with your parents somewhere, I'll bet they say, go back in the house and put on some clothes, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> My mother raised six kids, and there were a few times we tried that, and she said, she, she looked at me, she said, who are, who is your parent? Who raised you that you would come out like think you're gonna go to the store like that? And of course, needless to say, we'd have to go back inside, we'd have to change, and we'd go to the store. And you think that was the end of it? Oh, no, 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 no. When we came home from the store, then, then the wrath of mom fell. Because see, you held her up. You made her get behind. And so she's not happy about that. I believe, church, we have to start each, we have to start each morning dressed for the day. And, and how, do we, how do we dress for the day? Well, Paul tells us in, in verses 10 through 13, the new man. We have to put on the new man who grows in the image of Christ. We grow in the image of Christ each day. How do we do that? We simply open up the Word of God. We simply begin to read the Word of God, and we begin to ask God to allow the words of God to then become a part of our life, to become a part of our actions, to become a part of our being, so that His will is being done within us each day. Amen. And then what does He go on to say? He goes on to talk about holiness, which mirrors the integrity of God. People, I'll just say this this morning, church. We, we should have the integrity of Christ. We should have the integrity of Christ. Everything we do should be bringing glory and honor and praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everything we should do should be mirroring, mirroring Christ. So when people see you, they're like, okay, I know this person is a person of integrity. I know what they say is what they mean. Their yeas are yea and their nays are nay. There, there's, there's, no, there's no simple, well, they might mean this or they might mean that. 
There's none of that going on. They, they know exactly what they're saying and they say exactly. I know this. When I read the word of God, God says exactly what he says. He means what he says and he says what he means. Now, as we grew up as children, and not unlike today, when we were growing up, when our parents told us to do something, we just did it. Why? Because we knew that the wrath was going to follow if we did not. Right? You knew, you, you respected, you honored your parents. But now we have parents who take their kids to the store or they take their kids out somewhere and they throw this, they throw their stuff on the ground, they throw a tantrum. And then we're like, okay, if you stop, I'll get you this. Yeah. And become the bargaining chip. Right. Now, I know I'm not supposed to speak about Chelsea because I promised her I wouldn't do so, but I broke my promise just now because I know she did that one time. She threw a tantrum. A mom straightened out the tantrum. And there was never another tantrum. It was done. You see, parents who are parents of integrity understand what it means to raise their child in the fear and the omniscient of God. They know what it means to not cave to the children. You see, so many times that we, we have a society of parents who've used the tornado vortex, as we say, they, but they turn it upside down. They give the kids all this room, and they say, oh, you know, that's so cute. That's so, oh, look at what they, oh, that, isn't that funny? And it was a terrible thing. And then as they grow older, they try to bring them in. They try to corral them, so to speak. And that doesn't work, because what happens then? Then the rebellion comes out. Then all the fighting takes place. I don't know what's happened with my child. My child's gone crazy. Have you heard how my child talks to me? Have you heard how? And then, and then what happens is things get out of control. But see, if you start here with the bottom of the vortex being small, and you keep up as they grow older, then you can trust them to do things. And you know that they're not going to throw tantrums. You know that they're going to do the right thing because you're giving them more responsibility. Mercy and kindness, which demonstrates grace. Humility, which makes us Christ-like. Paul's telling us all the things that, that, that we need to put on in the morning when we get up and when we go out into society. Meekness which overcomes pride and arrogance. Boy, don't we have a lot of that going on in our country today. A lot of pride and a lot of arrogance. No meekness at all. Patience, which shows considerations for others. How many of us are really considerate of other people? Forbearance and forgiveness, which breaks down barriers. All these qualities that enable us to bring others to Christ. See, when people see those, those, those qualities, those characteristics in you, they, they want to know who you are. They want to know how you develop these characters in your life. What, what happened to you that morning that when you woke up, all these things began to be, come alive in you?
Paul goes on to tell us to put on affection, the mark of maturity. All of us have to have to understand that the the, the the affection that we have for Christ is genuine, it's real. We we want to have that love for Christ like no other man knows. Above all these, put on charity, he says. Above all these things, all the meekness, the patience, the forbearance, all the above all these things, he says, put on charity. What is charity? Love. It's love. We're to put on love. So many times we, we, we forget to put on love. We, we think we've got all the other things down, but we, but we overlook love. Christians should live in perfect harmony. This does not eliminate all the differences in opinions, but loving Christians will work together despite their differences. Why? Because we're all working together for one common purpose, our Lord Jesus Christ. We're all wanting to be in his likeness. He, he created us in his likeness. He created us in love and, and not discontentment. Show love. It's not a feeling, but it's a decision to meet others' needs. To live in love leads to peace. It brings individuals together. And it brings unity in the body of Christ. And all these things are important. Love is the bond that holds everything together. Matter of fact, when we got married, most of us in our, in our weddings probably had something out of 1 Corinthians 13 read. Which talks about love. Love reveals our close walk with loving our Lord. Love holds families together in tough times. We've been through some tough times. You know, I, I was listening to the news the other day of this lady who's 104, I think it is, or something like that, and she's lived through two pandemics in her lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so the newscaster asked her, what do you think? about all this that's going on in the world today. And you know what she said? There's something missing in the world today. And the newscaster said, well, what do you think is missing? And she said, people don't know how to love people. People don't know how to love people. And it's so true. The reason we have all the conflict, the reason we have all the strife that's going on across our country and around the world is because people don't know how to love people. But you can't learn how to love people if you don't love Jesus Christ first. Because Jesus Christ has to be our first love. And because he is our first love, we know how to love people. We understand what it is to give of ourselves, to give of our heart. Love holds churches together and makes outreaches possible to reach out into our communities and to share the love of Jesus Christ, to share the good news with all that we come in contact with. But church, if we don't love Jesus Christ first, nothing else is possible. Because without Jesus Christ, we have nothing. Right. We have just mere mumbling, fumbling words. That's all we have. 
Love produces unity among believers. Every word, every action must be clothed in love. When you want to give your children advice or your grandchildren advice, it needs to be clothed in love. Because when you speak with the love of Jesus Christ that's been poured into your heart and to those that you come in contact with, people will respect that word. People will talk and hold on to that word. They will cherish it. They'll, they'll want to hold on to it. If we love things above, we will love those who are with us. When you begin to love Jesus Christ with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength, you will begin to love people as he loves people. That's what needs to change. But the question really is this morning, what do you need to put off? What is it in your life that you need to empty out, that you need to get rid of? Are you willing to put on these Christ-like qualities every single day? You can't just put them on when you feel like it. You have to put them on every day. Because if you don't put on these, these Christ-like qualities every day, when you get outside, guess who's waiting outside for you? Better yet, guess who's waiting for you when you open your eyes? The principalities of the air. Satan is waiting. He's got, his, he's got his gears. He's got his motor running. And he's waiting for you. As soon as you open your eyeballs, he's right there. But when you begin to put on those Christ-like qualities, church, then this is what begins to happen. You begin to have that humility. You begin to have all those characteristics that, that Paul just shared with us in, in, in here that, that we need to have. Think of the impact this would have in your community if you put on all these Christ-like qualities. Think about the impact you'll not only have on your community, but the impact that you'll have on your state. But in fact, the, the impact you'll have on your country. Let's just take it one step further. Why not the impact of the world? You see, because it's the Christ-like qualities in your life are the only thing that's going to impact this world for Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer for every question we have. He is the answer for every, every resolve that we need. But problem is, church, we have people who are running around acting a fool and not doing anything to put on the characteristics of Christ. Because they're worried about how things should be in this world. And not how who created the world made things to be. See, the enemy, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to bring discontentment. He knows how to bring strife. He knows how to twist the mind, twist the facts. But you see, church, we have to begin to show the world true love. And the only way you can show true love is to have Jesus Christ forever living in your heart every single day. Putting on those Christ-like qualities every single day. If you don't put those on every day, people are not going to see Christ in you. They're going to see you as a wavering person. They're like this one day, they're like this the next. The Christ-like qualities that we need to possess are given to us by Paul in Colossians. 
And he tells us how to do this. And he says in the end, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. To live in love leads to peace between individuals and among the members of the body of believers. Do problems in your relationships with other Christians cause open conflicts? Consider what you can do to heal those relationships with those that you love. You know, the word of God is very clear. It says to love your enemies. Who are you in conflict with? Usually we're in conflict with an enemy. And we need to heal those relationships with the love of Jesus Christ. And he can help us to heal the relationships that need to be healed, that need to be dealt with on a daily basis. So this morning as we close, I want you to ask yourself one question. What do I need to put off to have that love that Christ has put in me to share with the world? Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us this word this morning. Father, I thank you for how you have told us that we can have the bond of, of perfectness. But we also know to have that bond of perfectness, we must put on charity. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you will help each of us this morning to put on charity. Help us, Lord Jesus, this morning to go into the world that you have prepared for us. And Father, help us to put on that charity of love. Help us to reach out to those Father, who are hurting. And we can do that through the demonstration of love that you have shared with us on the cross. Lord, we can reach those for Jesus Christ. But Lord, help us to be like you. Help us to be Christ-like in every way and not some way. Lord, we yield ourselves to you this morning. We yield our lives to you. We yield our will to you, Father, that your will would become perfect in us. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen. 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 Let's stand together.